Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, in CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grapeseed Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, they're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at media tech, those toy unboxing videos that parents love oh so much because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the Creative and Inclusion Editor here at Adweek. Joining me, as always, is my amazing co-host, our community editor, Luz Corona. Luz, I have a question for you. Yes, friend. Can you recall the first ad that resonated with you when you were a kid? Yes. So I remember it vividly because I never got this toy and the commercials did such a good job on me wanting them. Um, But I don't know if you guys remember, like, Back in the day, 90s, um, it was those fairies that kind of like lit up in the air and it seemed like all the girls at school had them. But I remember seeing that ad on TV and just wanting it every single time. Um, What about you, Shannon? It's the one, wait, it's the one that you like pull the string and it would like lift off in the air. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Okay. Not to add insult to injury, but I did have that toy and (laughs) it, it was amazing right up until... I let it go and it landed in the um, fireplace during oh, my the fire goodness. and that was curtains for me. The You use a fireplace like maybe three times in Florida and the one time <laughs> we use it, <laughs> I destroy um, one of the coolest toys I've ever had. So, oh no. Oh yeah. man. Well, now so, we both don't have it. So. <laughs> so, now, so now we both have trauma connected to this one. <laughs> 
The ad that um, stuck with me, it's, it's definitely not the first ad I remember, but I think it's the first ad that I remember using to my advantage was the Cabbage Patch uh, Crimp and Curl uh, <gasps> Cabbage Patch because it was the first time that I re- recognized the rotation of an ad. I if I watched a certain block on Nickelodeon, um, I believe, I recognized that it would play after the first commercial break of every show. They got a lot of ad buy back then. Wow. So I just knew I could time it to when um, it would air next. I could bring my mom and be like, hey, Christmas, this is what I want for Christmas. And I, I did end up getting it. It was pretty dope. And I, it did not work every time. But that was the first time that advertising really, really helped me out in a time of need. So oh, man. It, it's interesting to see how advertising kind of works on children um going over through over the years because now we've have regulations that make that not quite as easy um as it was during during our day yeah I kind of want to talk about that a little bit more so joining me is one of my favorite people one of our agency's reporters Kyle O'Brien Kyle hi hello how is everybody doing oh wonderful thank you so much for joining us of course of course my my first ad is going to be a little bit more dated than yours. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I, I it, it was pr- it might have been you know you deserve a break today uh, at McDonald's, uh, but uh, the one I really remember is the little kid fishing and singing. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar Mayer baloney. That's wow. That's, and, and did I ever get it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, man. It is, it is a classic. That is a classic one. I am so sorry, Luz, that I, um... I was not outspoken enough. I should have I should have noticed the run times of these commercials. I should have just been more on top of it. But I'm glad you guys got your your treats. How, how I don't you... know if bologna's a treat, but there you go. <laughs> how did you not recognize that you were going to be working at Ad Week one day and not take early advantage as a child? <laughs> no, it's true. Honestly, Shannon, I feel like that question is more for you because you noticed run times. How old were you when you noticed like that that commercial was on repeat? It was enough to probably um be a little bit alarming in terms of like how much TV I was consuming at that time, <laughs> to the point where I could watch three um shows in a row and be like, there's a pattern here. Like that's probably speaks a little bit to um my my lack of going outside when I was <laughs> a kid but yeah that repetitiveness really really worked back then and now we're kind of running into regulations that don't make that quite as accessible but obviously advertisers are finding clever ways to still market to today's children which is what we really wanted to talk about today it's uh it's a testament to how quickly time moves because i feel like since i've been here um i'm coming up on two years in march I feel like when I first started here at Ad Week, we were really wrapping our mind around the habits of Gen Z. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we are still trying to uh, sort of crack that nut a little bit and understanding exactly how those consumer patterns work. But now as we're kind of coming closer to gaining that understanding, now we're already talking about Gen Alpha, which I did not even realize was kind of like the next thing on our radar until 
I saw this piece from Kyle and Emmy that talks specifically about how marketers can win over Gen Alpha. So I thought it'd be great to bring Kyle on to really dig into that because that's the next big mystery, yeah? And like, Kyle, what was like the big discovery for you in terms of like how marketers are connecting with this young, young generation? Well, you know what? Let me back up. Yeah. What is this young generation? Like, what's the the age range here? Well, it's basically any anybody born uh, 2010 and up. So the oldest Gen Alphas right now would be 12. So uh, I know, I know. It's I, I never even thought of okay, marketing to to people this young. But then again, you know, we re- we all remember our first ads. I remember also being cuckoo for cocoa puffs at some point. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I mean, the fact that uh, you know the these they're not watching 30 second ads really, and if they are, it's probably on YouTube, which is now one of their you know their favorite channels besides TikTok. So, so, I mean, it, they're having to reach, uh, these younger, you know, this younger segment in so many different ways. And that's, you know, through gaming platforms, through, uh, through YouTube, through those unboxing videos that you mentioned at the top of the, at the top of the show. Um, there's, there are just so many, so many ways to reach them because uh, they, uh, they're, they're so fragmented and, and segmented now, but, uh, you know, Appealing to a mass audience just doesn't quite have that that same pull as it used to, and we've been seeing that going from uh, from you know millennials to Gen Z and now to uh, Gen Alpha. So uh, now you know these are true digital natives in in the truest sense of the word. They've only known growing up with with mobile phones. They've only known growing up with uh, with the internet. So it's much it's much more different than it was you know for for all of us. So. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. And Kyle, that's so interesting um, because you mentioned that this generation is the generation that's born after 2010. So that's like sh- like our kids, Shannon. Like, yeah. you know, I, I was thinking about that. And considering that this is the kids of the millennial audience, you know, what what are some takeaways from targeting millennials that you've seen kind of apply here? And I think you touched on it a little bit in your article. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because they are the, you know, they, they're the parents, the parents have the big influence over them. Like, uh, you know, my generation, we were all latchkey kids. Um, and, you know, and, and the millennials are much more involved in what their kids are doing. Uh, so they, the, the parents have a tremendous amount of influence. But that being said, uh, they, you know, the kids are all, all 
online all the time and there are regulations now that there weren't back then so so but i mean really to appeal to the millennial is to appeal to to the gen alpha in a way uh i mean you're gonna have to speak to them slightly differently but if if the parents approve uh of what the kids are are watching then they'll largely be able to influence their purchasing decisions because you know not a lot of these kids probably don't have their own money unless they're one of those unboxing stars <laughs> and yeah, then they have a lot cash. of money yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> then we can borrow from them i um my my child did not tap into that um when that was hanging off so it's still me it's still i'm still <laughs> the breadwinner out of the two of us but it is interesting how quickly uh these youtube videos are able to sort of worm their way into our children's psyche in terms of you know i i I usually connect with my child on the things that like she likes to snack on the things that um, she likes to eat for dinner, just because one, she's going to obviously have a better understanding of what she likes. And two, with her being on um, the more severe end of the spectrum, she's very picky about what she eats. So Mm -hmm. I like to sort of let her lead. And one of the things that really got me was uh, one of her big things is like macaroni and cheese, because she is a child of immense taste and like her (laughs) big thing was oh goodness was it paw patrol shaped macaroni and cheese yep i did not know was even (laughs) a thing it was paw patrol and my little pony so she kept asking for my little pony and macaroni and cheese and for a second i thought she was asking for two very separate things Mm -hmm. and then it was it wasn't until she like grabbed my phone and like spoke to siri and was like (laughs) Here is my little pony macaroni cheese. It came up I'm like, how do you even know that this is a thing? <laughs> and it wasn't until I was milling around cleaning and then all of a sudden I hear one of her YouTube videos that for for me was background noise. And for her, it's a direct access to something that she really, really wants. Right. So it's really interesting how effective these videos are things that we just assume are like things that sort of keep our kid entertained for a while while we do what we have to do are actually ways to sell to them and you know sometimes that's great because again if we need help communicating something what better way than by you know a video or something that's like easily tangible but in other ways it's like I don't need anyone advertising to my kid. Like I'm, I do not need anyone <laughs> telling her how she can better spend my money. So, <laughs> but it, it is very interesting how effective they are. I say all of that to say, um, in your research in creating this with Emmy, did you find that there was one particular method that was more effective than the others? Uh, I, you know, I think, I, I think, as you said, YouTube is huge. Um, that's, that's the one thing that, uh, that we heard from a lot of people that YouTube is just, just huge for these kids. And so, you know, they're scrolling through they're they're trying to, they're trying to find what they want. And, uh, then obviously they're getting served ads that, that kind of back up what they're, what they're viewing. Um, so I think, I think that's really the thing that and gaming, I think were the two things that mm-hmm. we found that they, they reached the most amount of kids uh then you know live experiences too like i talked with a guy who um he has a an agency called the alliance group that uh they partner with zoos and aquariums and so you know getting them out and getting them away from the screen that's another way to connect uh, with them in an authentic place where you know families are 
are you know around and so you're speaking to the parents and the kids at the same time i thought that was a, a really interesting way to do it but i mean mostly it's it's online it's it's youtube it's tiktok it's gaming um the that's that was the big takeaway for me whereas you know uh our parents used to you know drag us through stores and we'd see something on the shelf we liked and, and yell at them until they bought it for us yeah best way um and something that reminds me from shannon's story is also something that you touched on in your story um kyle is the whole ball patrol mac and cheese and the my little pony thing i totally Mm -hmm. get it because my kid was the same way and now we're transitioning out of paw patrol and going into spider-man so i had to get the spider-man yogurts Mm -hmm. at the supermarket you know and like when all else fails you just stick some stickers on that packaging and just call it a day um (laughs) and get real smart there but This brings me to my point where you called out um, finding connections through characters and like characters like Peppa Pig were called out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes you see collaborations at H&M with uh, Mickey Mouse. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because now it seems like they're kind of like Mickey Mouse is just going to be timeless, it feels like. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, Disney, you know, the Marvel Universe, uh, all, all those characters, I, they're they're never going to go away and they're always going to be used to sell products. I mean, there there were Superman lunch boxes when I was a kid. There's and so then they're they're Spider-Man is huge now. And so I think I think that tie in with with popular characters will never go away. And the monetization that you can have off those characters is just amazing. Now, uh, you can't really sell uh, like especially in the UK, you can't sell sugary cereals to them. You can't uh, sell products that are bad for them so they're they're finding smarter ways to use these characters to to sell these things i mean peppa pig is its own uh marketing juggernaut so i mean kids are speaking with british accents that don't have british accents you know that come from american families that 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 shows you the reach that it is as both an entertainment value and as a marketing uh value because they have the even their own lands you know peppa pig uh, land or whatever it, it, it is called they uh, you know they're they're people going just specifically to be with those characters is the same uh, same with star wars same with uh, all the all these other places that have that have dedicated uh well lego lego's huge um lego has always been big now it's even bigger with their resorts with their uh with their theme parks and with their movies with their shows and so uh, it a good character will always uh will always rule and that goes back to good creativity so mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's interesting to see what is the major ethical challenge for marketers here because obviously there's a reason why we can't market directly to children so finding this workaround may be clever but it could speak to maybe some ethical gray areas did you kind of come across any in your findings the, yeah there are plenty of ethical gray areas for uh for talking to kids you don't want to come i mean there are many things you don't want to do when talking to kids first off is come off um creepy uh (laughs) obviously you're gonna you're gonna because yeah yeah you you don't want to come off creepy you don't want to come off uh like hard sell uh the harder sell i mean kids will they'll see through that they're they're really savvy uh i mean kids have always been fairly savvy they're really savvy now because they're they're being talked to so often through all their devices uh and that and then um you you really you know you can't just sell products to sell products you have to really make it a part of their lifestyle uh and i think that's true with just about everyone but it's it's really true with this with this younger generation so the pitfalls are just don't don't be an obvious sell don't be a creep i mean you can't go wrong there yeah Yeah. (laughs) pretty good solid rules there yeah (laughs) one of the things that i really like um 
kind of discovering with my kid are things that we can enjoy together. And this has sort of been not to go off on too much of a tangent, but this has been sort of the heartbreak with watching the sort of dismantling of children's TV across not just uh, WB, but in terms of like Netflix as well. Like some of the first budgetary cuts that they've made have been in animation and things that have really, really resonated with both me and my kid. But when I think about those shows, I think about how these really, really clever animators and uh, sort of children's entertainers have found ways to create deep connections with not just the kids, but with the parents too. I mean, in terms of like shows that I love, like Keep on the Age of Wonder Beast is going to be one that I'm going to talk about forever and always because that was something that I discovered through her. Um, also, um, Dogs in Space, which is really, really good. <laughs> uh, Craig of the Creek. There's so many things that my kid has introduced me to that have now become these really great moments that we can share. And I mention that because I think a lot about the sort of missed opportunity in advertising when it comes to speaking directly to Gen Alpha. Obviously, we're still trying to wrap our minds around it and trying to figure out the best way to do that. But one of the things that I think has been sort of a missed opportunity is are these unboxing videos, which to me just sort of like, they're not going to connect with me because I'm just not going to watch a three-year-old um, unbox a toy. That's not a thing that really strikes <laughs> me as classic entertainment. But for my child, that is something that's going to be great. Are we finding that marketers are at least trying to find ways to sort of bridge these generational gaps through their work? Are we finding any evidence of that? That's a darn good question. <laughs> uh, it, it really is because, uh, I mean, bridging the generational gaps uh, is, a, is a difficult thing. I mean, you, I, you brought up those shows that, that, that you learned from your kids. Well, I mean, you could argue that Sesame Street is one of those that bridged the gap. They were able to put in jokes for parents. So if the parents were sitting there watching and, you know, they heard uh, Fargo North decoder, um, they, they went, ah, okay, there's a joke I can get. And it, 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 it appealed. And, you know, the Muppets were the same way that, you know, an offshoot of that. And so I think, I think not dumbing down your, um, your content, uh, and, and unless you're speaking to uh, to the Teletubbies, but then again, that went huge through uh, through the rave culture. But I mean, unless <laughs> uh, uh, you, you you can find a way to to be appealing and be to have some adult appeal while still appealing to to a younger generation, because you can if if you're smart, you you can find those connections. You can find the connections by, by doing uh, exhaustive research. I mean, I think that the thing that comes in now is that you're just not shooting against the wall anymore. You have tons of research to be able to cull from, and that will get you everywhere. Uh, you can talk to your audience. You can, you can have a back and forth with your audience and that includes kids uh, so long as it's done in, you know, a safe environment. And so the, the wealth of information you can glean from, from your consumers uh, means that you're not, you're not doing this blind. You're doing it uh, smartly. And if you're smart about it, then you can develop the content that that bridges both those gaps that you can speak to both those those uh, connections of people. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, like when I saw Dave Grohl on a Sesame Street episode, I was like, this is something for all audiences to enjoy. Absolutely. <laughs> I think they're doing it right. <laughs> they did yeah. like a whole, like one of the first times that I was like, oh, was when they did like a, a glee. <laughs> yeah. Did, <laughs> like a glee send up 
And I was like, Camille's not going to get why any of this is funny. <laughs> not even a little bit. But oh, it was, again, just a great way to, you You have two audiences at your disposal. At your disposal. Yeah. Talk to both of them. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, I think they're definitely doing it right there. Um, well, Kyle, you and Emmy actually, this Gen Alpha piece was like the third piece um, mm -hmm. of a, a series that you uh, you both did talking about kind of like these forgotten generations. And one of them kind of shifting a little bit here is Gen X. Yep. Um, you know, your article was Gen X truly is the lost generation, especially in marketing. Um, so why not first like who is Gen X? Why are they called the lost generation? Me. I'm Gen X. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, we're the smallest generation. Uh, that's for sure. Um, the people after the boomers, which was a absolutely gigantic generation ranging from just after the after World War Two, all the way up to 1965, by some accounts. And so so you had this huge bunch of people. And then you had Gen X, who they really didn't know what to do with at the time. You know, we we were the latchkey kids. We were the we were the ones that uh, that you know, we were the first ones to really pick up digital technology and kind of run with it. And uh, um, so it. But, you know, they, then millennials came along uh, and it, it, Gen X really kind of got lost in the mix because it, of just being such a, a fairly small generation. So we were we were hip for about 10 minutes, I believe, in, <laughs> um, in, the, in the late 80s through the through the 90s. But, you know, a lot of those people in Gen X, they're they're now running companies. So their influence, um, you know, like you see 90s culture just coming on huge, you know, 80s, 80s and 90s culture with Stranger Things and all that sort of stuff uh, coming on huge because the people that are are in positions of, of power in in positions of creating content uh, for for those generations, a lot of them, you know, they're heading up agencies, they're Gen X. So while it's yeah, while it's kind of a lost generation uh, in terms of being marketed to, they're some of the ones doing the marketing. So um, they're, they're, that's a little saving grace for us. The millennial uh, sort of fascination with nostalgia really presented a, an interesting opportunity for mm -hmm. Gen X advertisers because they were like, in terms of like millennials, in when going through college, eighties and nineties parties were all the rage. The you could right. not. Uh, sleep for too long before you missed like eight uh 80s parties where there was by a, a frat or department and so like gen x advertisers like great we have plenty of experience here we will provide you with whatever <laughs> we, you need and now we're seeing like 90s nostalgia really come back in this really robust robust way so it's almost like Yes, Gen X got left out of the conversation, gets left out of a lot of conversations. And then mm -hmm. advertising, we kind of like sort of made a make up for that by saying like, we're still very interested in your culture, though. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the opportunity to sort of express in that way, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, we'll grasp at that as long as we can until they until, you know, uh, millennials become the 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 dominant uh, bunch which which is happening fairly quickly especially as you know they become parents uh, and um and have gen alpha uh consumers right now you know which which brings us back to back to that and 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 who knows you know the next gen uh, with with gen z uh what i guess that'll lead into generation b which doesn't sound very cool but 
No, we got to figure out a better name because it can't be Generation Beta. They're not going to stand for that. If no. there's oh, any no, no. Gen Alpha, disrespect. Totally. <laughs> Gen Alpha really made it out with the coolest name out of the bunch aside from Gen X. I thought that growing up, I thought Gen X was so cool because the Spice Girls were kind of like leading sort of a leading image for a lot of us in terms of like Gen X. Like I'm thinking of specifically the, the Pepsi commercials that were very, oh, very right. big. And yeah. uh, so like, it's, it's interesting to kind of see how all of this plays out. And then millennials are kind of very used to just being blamed for everything. Like, we're, <laughs> we're blamed for like children. We're blamed for the downfall of the department store. Now we're getting blamed. <laughs> um, recently I did a piece on Kid Fresh's, uh, campaign they recently did a campaign where they um created a wine specifically for parents who like to steal chicken nuggets from their kids like frozen meal things which is a very relatable relatable <laughs> thing and i thought that that was very smart but in doing the research in terms of like how these um specific stunts are going to play out in the future if they can really play out in the future one of the things that we learned is that millennials aren't buying wine the same way that um, boomers and even Gen Xers were consuming wine. So there is a potential for like a 20% purchasing dip in wine. And again, millennials got to pick up that tab because now we're all about either cannabis or um, moderation. So what yep. was interesting in that was I was wondering where Gen X fell in that. Like how exactly do those do those um, specific habits sort of fit into this culture? And one of the things that they said was, it was kind of like a throwaway paragraph. Like, Let's be clear, we didn't forget about Gen X. It's just they're too small to measure. But their mm-hmm. their habits align with the boomers in terms of like their proclivity for wine that you can just sort of like lump them in, which made me feel really bad. So I'm like, <laughs> just so that's a, is that what we do? We just lump them in. And we get we get lumped in with the uh, with boomers a lot. And you know, for for good reason on some of it. Uh, I mean, Gen X still likes to see things before they buy it. They still like to try things out. Uh, they don't mind going to retail stores um, and shopping around. Uh, not everything is online all the time. Uh, heck, I love going to the wine store because I want, I like to see what's on special and I like to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to talk to somebody and uh, about, uh, you know, what, if, if it's going to pair well or something like that. So I, I like, I like a good high-end wine store that, that helps me do that. Um, so, the, yeah, there, there, there are those habits. You know, Gen X is always that kind of half digital, half, uh, half uh, analog sort of sort of generation, whereas whereas millennial, you know, definitely more on the uh, on the digital side. Gen Z completely digital, and Gen Alpha doesn't even know what a story is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so, kind of yeah. So my big question then is: Is there still an opportunity for marketers to connect with the sort of forgotten Gen X. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there certainly uh, are ways. The and it's not just through like, hey, here are some products that you're going to need when you get older, because that's kind of offensive too. Nobody wants to think of themselves as old. I certainly don't want to. Um, and uh, so, there's there's certainly ways to to get in there and um and and it, it that's why you know traditional tv um still still has some pull that's why uh retail is you know box brick and mortar retail is not dead um that's there there are, and there are definitely those um 
agencies that are that are trying to appeal to to those kind of people um and, and to to people you know 50 and up saying that basically they you know hey you you've got a lot of money let's uh, let's market some products and it's not all luxury products and it's not all medical products it's uh, mm-hmm. it's just people that are are older that appreciate good things that uh, that want to want to shop around and and get a, get a good bargain uh, but also have high quality. So yes, there there are definitely opportunities out there. Not everybody is is reaching for just the younger market because you know, right now, who has the money? It's mostly Gen X and and Boomers. There they have the considerably you know more capital. You know, millennials are starting to get that now that they're paying off their student loan debts. So, um, but yeah, it's it's changing. But but there's there will always be a market for those people that that. Uh, that have that have plenty of disposable cash for sure well kyle that leads me to ask you the last question of the interview um (laughs) is there is there any campaign actually that's kind of resonated with you that's targeted generation x since you're part of it um since it's not something that we're truly seeing a lot of you know they're kind of like the forgotten generation but can you think of like a campaign or something that or an ad that made you stop in your tracks and was like oh that was pretty cool i feel like they saw me they heard me well, I, you know, I think I think the it's it's easy to play into nostalgia, but it's also easy to like it too if it's done properly. So I think I think any of those ads out there that that kind of have that 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 retro look that you kind of can grasp onto for a bit. I mean, all the Stranger Things stuff is like okay, uh, if if when I was growing up that uh, that world existed, I totally I totally would have gone in there. But I you know I was that guy. So uh, yeah, nostalgia will always play 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 in big. I I can't think of one specific that is that is kind of a major ad campaign. But uh, you know all the nostalgia ones tend to tend to tend to reach. But hey, I'm I'm a little different. I write about the ad industry and I cover, I cover that creative stuff. So, so uh, I, I'm a little, I'm a little more jaded than, than most people might be, but uh, there, there are definitely those ads that appeal. I, I was going to say, actually, Stranger Things may have struck gold there because they're appealing to Gen X audiences. And they're also appealing to these next uh, like generations that like Stranger Things for the now, you know, and then the older generations that see a lot of their childhood reflected there. So Stranger Things is an interesting one. I just thought of their Samsung ad and just how that could have reached more people than I, I could have thought before reading these articles. Yep. Yeah. No, that and, you know, the fact that they're they're bringing other shows like, you know, Paper Girls and things like that and mm-hmm. uh, Yellow Jackets that they kind of go back to to earlier generations and and give nostalgia while still remaining completely relevant. Uh, I think that's that's a real key there is to not make it seem just old for the sake of being old, but old and and relevant to these days. And then by the time Gen Alpha is in their 20s, it'll be right around the time that they'll be thinking about a Stranger Things reboot. In- oh my god <laughs> oh man oh i just no. i just got gray hairs thinking about that and wow. you really brought us there man <laughs> we'll have to come back and be like is it working that'll be the episode yeah. so we have an episode planned for 10 years from now <laughs> perfect i'll have my hearing aid in <laughs> Well, Kyle, it's always a pleasure to have you on to bring on such um, sharp perspective. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure talking with both of you. I love it as always. And Luz, you are incredibly busy. So I am always appreciative of you being here, my friend. Oh my gosh. These these are actually the pleasant breaks I have. So thank you for, for bringing me into this craziness. <laughs> <laughs> love it. 
And thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Ad Week Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. I'm Shannon Miller. Thanks for tuning in. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.